0: Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Mesa Christian Church. Why don't we just open our hearts as we share a Good Friday message today. Father, I thank you that your word is alive. Jesus, you came to reveal grace and truth. You came as the Lamb of God. And I thank you for your revelation of truth touching all of our hearts. Lord, I thank you for your Spirit walking up and down these aisles and making this not a religious tradition, but a living reality that Jesus came and died and rose again. And let your life grab our hearts today, that we can all be forgiven. We can live in freedom. I thank you for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give someone a high five and let's take our seats. Wow, God is good. There's some excited people here today because to some, this is their first Easter as a follower of Jesus. Give us a wave, this is your first Easter as a follower of Jesus Christ. Look at that, eh? that's awesome. They're so excited. Some of us, this is probably about my 42nd Easter and uh, I got uh, born again on the 30th of November when I was 17, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit on Easter Sunday here in a in a camp, a youth camp at at uh, Harvey Bay, and so that's always has special memories for us in Harvey Bay. I want to share for a few moments today on an amazing revelation, and it's really grabbed my heart these last couple of weeks. And I've seen things I've never seen before in the Word, and I've been a Christian for 42 years. John 1:29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, "Look." the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He cried out, look, don't miss this man. And they're just seeing all these people and seeing a man. But he said, look, the Lamb of God, he saw with the eye of faith who Jesus was and is and was to come. In verse 36, Luke 1:36, it says, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God, twice within a short period of time, he says, don't miss who Jesus really is. Because a whole lot of people still miss who Jesus really is. They see him as a religious figure or as a great teacher or a prophet or they, they just miss who he really is. What's it mean, the Lamb of God? It was prophesied by Isaiah in Isaiah 53 in that famous passage, verses 4 to 7. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering Yet he did not open his mouth, he was led like a lamb slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. What a very powerful, powerful prophetic passage, hundreds of years before Jesus came, saying he would be the Lamb of God. What does it mean the Lamb of God? And we understand from the Old Testament that they had sacrificial lambs as offerings, as sin offerings. And Jesus came as the ultimate sin offering so that we can have freedom in our lives. It was fulfilled in Jesus in Acts 8.32. It says, this is the passage of Scripture the unit was reading. He he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? That's a really good question. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him that the good news about Jesus became a Christian, he was from Ethiopia and he, Ethiopia, he carried the gospel back to Ethiopia and there are churches in Ethiopia now that can, that can trace back their roots to the eunuch coming with the gospel 2,000 years before and people have been there and visited those churches. I thought, wow, because he had the revelation of Jesus 2,000 years later, there's thousands, tens of thousands of Christians in Ethiopia because one man had a revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is called the Passover lamb. The Passover was when the people of Israel were in Egypt and the punishment was coming against um, the Pharaoh because he wouldn't let the people go. And the 10th plague was going to be the death of the eldest child because they just he just refused to let the people go and worship God. And God says, the people of Israel will be covered so long as they have the blood of a lamb over their doorposts. And they put it on the top and the sides In the shape of a cross. So it was prophetic of a cross. And so the lamb was slain, and his blood was put on there as a covering for sin. And so Jesus came as the Passover lamb to set us free. And it was at the Passover feast that this whole event happened of the crucifixion. 1 Corinthians 5 7 says, For Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. He shed his blood as a lamb without blemish. 1 Peter 1.19 it says, But you were actually purchased with precious blood like that of a sacrificial lamb, unblemished and spotless, the priceless blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to acknowledge that it's his blood that cleanses you and I from sin. We, we are washed and cleansed by his blood spiritually. And I started to look at this and it's he was the perfect lamb. When they were looking for a Passover lamb, they had to have one without blemish. They couldn't have one with a broken leg or with a blind eye. They had to find a lamb that was in perfect health to be a picture that centuries later, Jesus, the perfect Passover lamb, was going to come and without sin and be sacrificed for your sin and mine. According to the annual pattern that God gave Israel, the day we call Palm Sunday, which is last Sunday, the week before Easter was Lamb Selection Day. They were to choose an unblemished lamb, male lamb, and keep it until the 14th day of the month when it would be killed at twilight for the Passover. And this was the Passover week that Jesus fulfilled to every detail during that week. That's why he's called the Passover Lamb. Jesus entered Jerusalem at the same time the Passover lambs were being selected out in the hills. He withstood days of interrogation just as lambs too were being thoroughly inspected for any faults. And at the same time the Passover lambs were being sacrificed, Jesus was being nailed to a cross, the final sacrifice for all mankind. (laughs) He was truly the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. God commanded the priests of Israel to sacrifice two offerings daily, one in the morning at the third hour, which is 9am, because they work from sunrise at 6. I never understood why Jesus went to the cross at 9am, was there for 6 hours and then died. I thought it could have been 3 hours, it could have been 24 hours. I now, this week, have seen why he did it. He went to the cross at 9am, which was the time of the morning sacrifice of the Lamb. And at 3 p.m. was the afternoon sacrifice of the lamb. And that's when Jesus paid the price and died for our sin. That's why he's the Passover lamb. He fulfilled everything. And at the three o'clock Passover lamb sacrifice, Jesus was slain. And as Jesus breathed his last, on the Day of Atonement the high priest would declare after the evening sacrifice, it is finished! And that's why Jesus cried out, it is finished, because he was fulfilling what they did every atonement day that the priest had declared for centuries before. He could have said all sorts of other words, but that's the reason he's declared, it is finished. And he said, what's finished? His suffering was finished, but... It was finished. The separation between man and God was now finished because he had opened the way for us. It is finished that we don't have to live in shame and guilt and all those other things that rob and steal from our lives. It's finished because now we can have freedom in Jesus Christ. It's finished that we are no longer outcasts and rejected, but now we can be sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ, of his grace and power over our lives, that our Father has come through Jesus to redeem us. And I believe that he's the worthy lamb of God. Jesus purchased us and brought us into his glorious inheritance through his blood. How amazing is that? I believe it's a time for the church to return to Christ as the lamb of love, the lamb of glory. As we approach the end of the age, we must see and encounter the face of Jesus as the lamb. 28 times in the book of Revelation, Jesus is referred to as the worthy lamb. He's referred to as king of kings and lord of lords. But more than anything, he's referred to as the worthy lamb right throughout Revelation and in eternity. And I never understood the power of this. But it's gripped my heart that he's the worthy lamb. We need to... Bury our hearts in the wo- in his wounds until our lives are transformed from glory to glory. For indeed every wound bleeds glory. I believe it's time to behold the Lamb of Glory until our hearts are wounded by the wounded one. As Spurgeon writes When we see the Lord pierced, the piercing of our hearts begin, and we are changed and forgiven and set free from the stony heart. We are set free from the things that have locked us up, pain and rejection and failure and insecurity and all those things that hold us locked in prison and not really free. When we are touched by what pierced him, our hearts are set free. And I believe Christ is calling us closer to his heart, not to stand at a distance, but to be there right close to his heart. And even when he was crucified, it says all the other disciples ran away the only one that stayed was John with his mother and some of the other women all the other guys had run away but thank God when Jesus rose from dead, he came and brought them back and called them back met Peter on the beach and restored him and he calls us back even though sometimes we've made responses to Jesus he calls us back not out of religion but out of life out of freedom in Jesus Christ the slain lamb is praised in Revelation. Let's look at two of those verses in verse chapter 5, verse 6. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if he'd been slain, standing at the centre of the throne. This is the revelation John gets of heaven. Encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Wow, that inspires us to pray, isn't it? They're, they're held up in heaven. And they sang a new song saying, worthy, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation that we sing about today. You have been made to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. Some of you are good at maths, just start multiplying that out. And we know that most of what John saw is literal plus figurative. Millions of angels. And they circled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is within them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory forever and ever and ever. Oh, Jesus. Lord, let your revelation flow. (coughs) Revelation 7, two chapters later, verse 9. After as I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. He'd given up trying to count now. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out, cried out in a loud voice, Salvation! belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. Can you get some of these pictures that have been shown here? That Jesus, what he did on earth resounds in heaven and for eternity and we don't have to live with fear controlling us. We don't have to live separated from God. We don't have to feel like we're not good enough. We come in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We come with an open door of our hearts because He's opened the door through the veil of His body. He's torn it in two. It says in Revelation seventeen fourteen that He conquers the Antichrist they will wage war against the lamb, not against the warrior or the king. The works of dogs will wage war against the lamb. That doesn't make sense. A lamb is fairly defensive. Anyone's worked on properties with sheep and lambs, they're fairly defenseless. They get taken by wolves and all sorts of things and, and dingoes and they get taken by wild dogs. But it says they wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and with Him will be His called, chosen, and faithful followers. Wow, that's a really good list. Called, chosen, and faithful. Some of us can tick off one or two of those, but God says, I want you to tick off all three. Called, chosen, and faithful. Not how good you are, but how good you. He is, that we sing about today. We're with him, victorious over every scheme of darkness. Everything that tries to rule this world and destroy families and households and identities. Christ has overcome that and he wants us to learn to live in that victory now and for eternity. That we can carry what he has done as Jesus lives in us. And we communicate that the cross equals love, that God's love can push out the fear and the darkness of, over people's lives. And there is hope for everyone. Then a beautiful picture comes that the lamb, Jesus, marries the bride, his church. I've often wondered about this. It's called the marriage supper of the lamb. Wow. Wow. The marriage supper of the Lamb, not the marriage supper to Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb because he's come to reveal the heart of God. Revelation nineteen seven. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear, Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Wow. How's your garment going? The righteous acts is what God uses to weave together our garment in eternity. That's an exciting and challenging thought. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. And then you go on to Revelation 21.9. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Wow. The bride of Christ joined with our Lord in eternity. Our heads struggle to get around some of these pictures, but I want to say he's preparing us and changing us from glory to glory. He's flowing through our works of grace and love, not to earn salvation, but to bring his kingdom on earth so others can experience (coughs) his love and forgiveness. And then another interesting powerful thought is the book in heaven that records the names of all those who are born again by believing in Jesus is called the Lamb's Book of Life. Well, you'd think it would be the Salvation Register or or something like that. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Once again, to give us this incredible picture that Jesus is the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the whole world. And we can choose to live in the blessing, in the closeness, in the intimacy of our sins forgiven and our names in his blood in the Lamb's book of life. Doesn't use computer ink or chalk or crayons or coloring in pencils. He writes your name and ours in his blood in the Lamb's book of life when we ask him to forgive us and cleanse us. That's why salvation being born again is a huge deal. It's the doorway into a life of eternal relationship with our Father through Jesus Christ. That's why the devil fights tooth and nail to stop people coming into the kingdom. That's right, he tries to when you do, he tries to scare you and say you're not good enough to stay there and tries to get you to stay on the outside or at a distance. But the Spirit of God's saying, Come, come, come and live and walk in the fullness, live in the fullness of my house, my home, my dwelling, my kingdom, where my rules function of love and grace and hope and forgiveness and acceptance and all those other amazing gifts that come our way. So the question is, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? And it can be if we're born again and we follow him. It says in uh, Revelation 38, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the world. So if our name's are not in the Lamb's book of life, we are going our own selfish way and under the control of the kingdom of darkness. That's a very stark reality, but that's what the Word of God says. But He's calling us. We don't belong there. We belong in His kingdom. Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven 27 says, Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. There it is again, twice in Revelation. It talks about the book. The Lamb's Book of Life. Wow. What a beautiful privilege to know their names. Are... We've come and accepted what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. To believe. It's not a whole lot of works and religious deeds and praying lots of prayers and <coughs> knowing the Bible off by heart. It's relationship through what Jesus did. And then we grow in our faith. This is a free gift from Jesus. He's paid the price for all of our sins. It's grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's a free gift and many of us understand the gift of salvation, we've received it, but we need to then receive the gift of grace to empower us to live and stand every day. When fear and thoughts come in that we're not good enough and And sometimes another Christian says something hard or judgmental without understanding against us. Don't let that rule your heart. Say, Jesus, I belong to you. Help me to love and forgive just like you did. There are many supernatural events happening to Jesus at the cross. We're just going to share a few of these and we're going to come and share communion today. Matthew 27, 45. I want to read a few verses of the account of Jesus on the cross. Now from the sixth hour, noon, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Three hours of darkness. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud, agonized voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The father had to turn his back on Jesus because he became sin for you and I. And a holy God could not look at his son who had become, took on your sin and mine, the punishment and wrath of God. That is an incredible mystery, but it's a powerful truth. And darkness came for three hours. Probably a solar eclipse or a supernatural event where God just blocked out the sun because the heavens and the earth were interacting in the greatest six hours of eternity and darkness that Jesus took all this sin and shame that came from the garden of Eden and thank God the blessing that was in the Garden of Eden and then the shame and guilt and then Jesus wrestled in another garden in the Garden of Gethsemane where he then chose to walk through the cross so we could then go back out of shame and suffering into a garden of blessing and life again. That's what he did on the cross. Thank God he didn't walk away from that garden but he walked through it to the cross. Oh Jesus, you you fill our hearts with gratitude it goes on and says when some of the bystanders there heard it they began saying this man is calling for Elijah immediately one of them ran and took a sponge soaked it with sour wine and put it on the reed and gave it him to drink but the rest said let us see whether Elijah will come to save him from death and Jesus cried out again with a loud agonized voice and gave up his spirit voluntarily sovereignly dismissing and releasing his spirit from his body in submission to his father's plan. That's powerful. And at once, the veil of the Holy of Holies of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, the earth shook and the rocks were split apart. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep in death were raised to life. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. Now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, they were terribly frightened and filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. These were hardened soldiers who had probably seen dozens, maybe hundreds of people crucified. had seen the pain and suffering But today, he knew something different was happening. Truly, he was the son of God. Look at all those supernatural events that happened. Right back in the garden, Peter tried to stop Jesus getting arrested, swung the sword and chopped off one of the ears of the guards. Jesus, about to be arrested and crucified, stops in a moment of compassion, picks up that wriggling bloody ear and puts it back on and heals his body and he's one of the guards who arrested him well that doesn't make sense for our heads but jesus loved that innocent man another great miracle is jesus didn't call angels to rescue him and he could have at any time even the two uh prisoners on side of him said you know if you're god come down off the cross and save yourself and by the way save us as well The darkness over the air for three hours, that was a supernatural event. For three hours in the middle of the day, that would have been very scary for the whole community. Saying, what's happening on that hill of Calvary? The curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom that separated the holy place from the most holy place. It signified that access to God's holy presence is now open and available for any believer any time from that day on to eternity. (coughs) How amazing is that? It was a huge thick curtain. It's is several kilometers from where Jesus died on the cross. And whenever you feel like you can't access God, you need to remember we've got an open heaven and an open door to God's presence through Jesus anytime, anywhere. Forgiveness of sin. What about the earthquake that shook the area? The rock splitting open. The hardest parts of the earth shaking. This is showing once again in the natural what was happening in the spiritual where the greatest earthquake eternity was destroying the power of sin and Death. And now, freedom comes. The greatest six hours of history was unfolding. What about Jesus forgiving those who crucified him? That's another amazing miracle. Father, forgive them for they don't really know what they're doing. Jesus in absolute agony, being beaten terribly, nailed to a cross. Normally crucifixion could take up to 24 hours or more for a person to die. Often they'd break their legs to help speed the process so that they couldn't heave themselves up to keep breathing. Six hours. Jesus voluntarily gave up his life at three o'clock when the sacrificial lamb was being offered. What about the criminals on either side of him? One of them was mocking Bible indicates both of them started off mocking but before Jesus died one of them said well hold on he's a good man we've, we've done wrong we've robbed or killed or done whatever we've done we deserve our punishment but he's a good man and he cried out remember me in paradise and Jesus just before he cries out it is finished extends grace And he receives the gift of eternal life. That is an incredible miracle because Jesus is under the suffering and weight of the punishment of the whole world. And the father for the first time in his life has turned his back on him. So he doesn't have fellowship with the father for those brief minutes or hours. And in the middle of that, he extends compassion to a broken man who said, I need help. Don't you ever think that God will turn you away. Don't you ever think that you're not good enough or that God will turn your cry away. The devil lies to us. He says he hears the cry of humanity. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word saved is sozo, salvation, wholeness, spirit, soul, body, mind, heart, relationships, everything. Everything. That's what Jesus took and paid for on the cross. And oh, we just live so far short of so much that Jesus has provided for us. We settle for so much less because we just don't understand. It's like we receive the gift of forgiveness and eternal life and some help when we pray a desperate prayer but it's like we receive two gifts and there's a whole household of them and all the other doors, but we just don't go in there because we just don't think we're worthy or we don't know how to just unlock and receive. What Jesus did is incredibly powerful and it's for you and I today. It's for all of our lives and the enemy will try and keep us away from church and away from fellowship and away from things... But let me tell you, Jesus paid the price. There's so many other incredible miracles happen. While he's hanging on the cross, he thinks of his mother, the mother of Jesus, Mary. What, what a journey. Oh, he says to John, can you look after my mum? Because I'm leaving soon. Oh. The compassion the tenderness the grace the awareness and sensitivity of jesus let me tell you he knows everything we feel and see and think and go through when we think it's too much who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising its shame so that you and i could have eternal life and forgiveness and hope that we can share it with others He's paid the price for all of our sin and satisfied the wrath and punishment of God. John said, look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the whole world. Look, the Lamb of God. Look and see. Let's close our eyes for a moment. I just encourage you to, wherever you are in your journey with Jesus. Have you been a Christian for 10 or 20 or 50 years? Or maybe one year? Or maybe you're still trying to work out where God fits into your world and and I can't see him so is he really real? I would encourage you right now to open your hearts and Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church